Somebody's just tuning in. Just to see what condition their condition is in. <laughs> it's looking pretty bad for my enemies. <laughs> I thank you, Jesus, for spiritual justice by pushing the curse of the fall right out of these people's eyeballs. So excited about it. I feel like I'm dying. How dare you make fun of the animal burning on the altar of God tonight? Just rest assured, brethren. We are not laughing with you, we are laughing at you. Which is true love because it is funny. It is funny in the glory. I tell you what, if you can't laugh at the animal condition, the animal condition is laughing at you. <laughs> Praise the ox. We're into ox worship. It's like the opposite of Baal's bull. The wonderful four-faced man, lion, eagle, ox, and man, the ancient of days is here. He's in your spirit. And... The Word of God is going to help you enter your spirit, which is called entering the Garden of Eden. Yeah, enter the Garden of Eden. <laughs> well, today has been one of the most intoxicating days of glory of all time. Hallelujah. We're celebrating tremendous victories. Today's the first time in three years since someone donated a $120,000 BMW to Red Letter Ministries. But today, you know, three years ago, somebody did that. Today's the first time there was no error lights on the computer. <laughs> There's been errors on there. Warning, emissions. Well, we don't care about that. That just means more horsepower, amen. Catalytic converter, we don't need those. It's the dumbest thing ever. The glory will clean the air and fix the ozone, amen. We're those kind of Christians that really don't care about anything. But what I was thinking is climate change. <laughs> Climate change is so funny. <laughs> Hallelujah. I remember I was getting persecuted and threatened by a new age demon one time, really severely threatening me with all kinds of threats. Real psychopath. And I was, it almost had me concerned, so I brought it to the Father. This guy was a big wig in the new age. He pretended to get born again, but he was more demon-possessed than ever. 
and I just brought it to my father, and it was the first time I heard my heavenly father audibly laughing. <laughs> You'd be surprised how much the father doesn't take seriously anything going on in the earth, especially the threats of the wicked. <clears throat> Father's perspective is from all power. When you have an all-powerful father and you get to know him on the inside, he's going to laugh at stuff that you take seriously. And that's going to set you free. That joy of God laughing, it's not like he's laughing for any other reason, but how pitiful and stupid the enemy is. He is laughing how weak and dumb Satan is. He is. That's why he's laughing, because it's such a joke to him, because he's so powerful over everything. And when you get into that joy, it starts to really change your personality to laugh at everything, which in turn is this verse, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord's your strength. <clears throat> I go around and we're just going to measure everyone's strength in here today. Probably need to bring out a couple stretchers. <laughs> Doc, tell me how bad is it? How bad is it? Five months? Five years? Four, three, two, one. You have been terminated. By Terminator 222, Jesus in you, you little buckaroo. Amen. Is it okay if he calls you fun, clever little nicknames? Like buckaroo, buckwheat. You know, God the Father loves you so much, he sent his son to die on the cross for you. He's going to mess with you. Because he's got a glorified personality of perfect joy from a realm of perfect wealth, riches, power, extravagance, opulence, royalty, dominion, and authority beyond human comprehension. So that's what's going to hit your mind and change it into wine. <laughs> Marriage Supper of the Lamb is when your mind's renewed to who your God is in reality without the theology, yeah. without the mere knowledge. Now I'm in the strength, now I'm in the power. Now I'm in the glory, right now this hour. <laughs> and he's gonna pour it on thick like a brick. Thick like a brick. He's gonna take your stinking thinking and he's gonna put the mortar and the clay and the brick and the concrete and the sticky tar and he's gonna use it for a building of his kingdom and your brain gonna get so fried on the glory you won't be able to think a thought from anyone else except your father in heaven and that's when God is your Lord. You know what lordship is? Your thoughts are dictated by God. Like you can't even think a thought in your brain unless it comes from the latter rain. And if there's a thought in you from the devil outside you, the answer is always 
have another drink. When the enemy comes tempting you stuff, they want you to get into logic. Oh, that's a great reason to completely betray the prophet. That information right there seals the deal. Honey, give me the butcher knife. We're going to go murder the pastor, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, the fivefold, whatever spiritual leader, leader assigned to my life. Now, because of that backbiting, gossiping information from Satan in you, gives me a right to kill that person with you. I'm going to join you in the murder of the prophets. You know, that's what it all is. How much information is it going to take from a lying demon to get you to turn on God's anointing? That's what Satan's tempting you in. Gossip, slander, backbiting. It's all a bunch of soulless, demon-possessed lies. These people are so goofy, they're actually sympathetic to your arch-nemesis Jezebel. I can't believe, I am ashamed of people in RLM walking with me that are still having sympathy for the devil. Sympathy for the devil like Mick Jagger, who's called the Prince of Darkness on Rolling Stone magazine. And that ain't funny. Because you know his name in the song goes, his name is Lucifer. And you know we're all a bunch of paranoid, fearful Christians and scared of all that stuff. You know, like, we believe Satan's the actual bright morning star and so You know, how many Christians over the years told me Satan's the morning star? I mean, like, what demon taught you Christianity? Do you even read the Bible? Unbelievable, man. It's like your pastor must have been a Freemason. Well, one out of three pastors, including Pentecostal charismatic pastors in America, is a warlock. I'd actually probably say it's more like three out of three. Because I guarantee you there's still witchcraft in any good pastor's soul. Because nobody's perfect, okay? Nobody's perfect. We're not throwing the first stone at imperfect spiritual leaders. We're smoking that stone with you. The rock of ages, man. He that is without sin, pick up the first stone and smoketh it. Amen. You get a bell ringer every time in Jesus' name. You took the ghost until it's greater than crack cocaine in your brain. Amen. Which means I need you to feel the glory. You need to feel good on God and get Satan and all of his weird religious do's and don'ts out of your souls. God is awesome. God intoxicates. God completely gets us high in the sky in the by and by so that we can fly really, really high. <laughs> All the time. Day and night. See, I had dropped the tea there just to make it rhyme. <laughs> we'll do that this time. So our sun do shine in the glory. That's my story. I'm celebrating victory over Jezebel today. I tell you the truth, saints. The bar of God is awesome. 
And your spirit will be built up no matter how deceived your brain is. And in your spirit, you will be built up by the word of God and you will push the curse of the fall out of the windows of your eyeballs. We're going to reverse the curse by building up your spirit and your spirit with the word in it, which is Jesus on the inside, realizing the glory, which is believing the word in spirit and in truth for the river of life to push out the curse of the fall out of your eyeballs. You understand? We've been teaching on the plumbing of God of the temple of the Holy Ghost, the new covenant which is Christ in you, getting this whole thing glorified, getting your mind renewed to live in as a temple of living water. But do you understand, saints, that as your spirit releases Jesus in you, it pushes out not part of the fall. Some of you have partial breakthrough because you're only partially sanctified. That's true. And be honest with yourself, man, there are areas of my soul I don't even know salvation. I'm just, I'm like prostrated in depression over here looking at myself and my inadequacies, deceived by the fall, looking at my own soul, like the goat's gonna save me out here in the wheat field under older prodigal Down syndrome disease. Like I'm self-righteous over here and my soul's righteousness, which is self-righteousness, gonna save me. So when I see a demonstration of grace amongst these hooligans, it gets me angry. How does that make you feel? Angry. I feel, I'm so upset right now. These people hurting my demons feelings every day. No sympathy for the devil in RLM. We can never be charged with that on our account, amen? That's fun. You know, but we're drunk too, so it's pretty funny. If there's any area of your life you're taking seriously, you lack revelation of heaven. Am I good enough? Am I rich enough? I got the Mick Jagger in 19 tonight in the glory. Am I rich enough? Uh, we'll have karaoke night, some other Joel's bar. Uh, you ain't ready for that level of revelation yet. That's, that's totally next level. We're gonna keep that treasure in the storehouse. Bring that out in due season. Ah, I tell you what, God is good to his servant Israel. One thing I've noticed is that he's remembered all of his promises to our father Abraham. <laughs> and my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I really feel like there was an overflow from the high praise into the preaching tonight. What a celebration amongst the angels we're experiencing today. You might not be feeling it because you're amongst the animals in hell, but we still love you, and we're going to pour out the celebration of the angels on you, which is the glory of God. Now, you can really tell what dimension you're in as you check in to see what condition your condition is in. 
when you find your brain your brain in a brown paper bag. <laughs> and, and my personality downcast because of the circumstance controlled by the lion warlock and his relationship with the fallen angel has me prostrated in the external realm giving me this nasty frown but we're gonna turn it upside down in the glory tonight and take flight in Jesus mighty name in the Lord Jesus's might is that all right too bad too bad we're doing it anyhow you don't even get a vote it's a monarchy you don't get to vote in monarchies it's you get a vote through bloodline from being born in the royal family are you aware of your bloodline of the monarchy of God amen royal power royal dignity kingly honor all these promises of Jesus Christ King of Kings Lord of Lords do you think it's a coincidence that the reptilian Queen Elizabeth II died today I don't think so I actually had a prophet that's highly accurate tell me she was a white reptilian I said, man, that, that stretches me, but I'll, I'll believe anything. Nothing offends me. Actually, I think that's quite exciting that you can be that far gone in the religious spirit. You know, that's all the development of the serpent's bloodline is. Cain was the first person to practice religion. You're like the 17th billion. <laughs> me? Yep, little old you. <laughs> Is there hope for me though? Is there hope? You gotta drink the hope. You know what I mean? The individuality of self-assessment is Satan and his religious throne. If it sticks, that means it's true. If it goes through you, hits someone behind you, like rubber and glue, let it pass on through. Because you're crystal clear and sparkling when you're in the Lamb of God. So, we like to accuse the devil. And if the devil's in you, you feel judged and condemned and accused. Pointed out, is he singling me out? I'm singling the devil out in your soul. On purpose, intentional. That's what we do every Joel's bar, I attack the devil. That's what ministry is. The Son of God's manifest to destroy the works of the devil. If you're not attacking sin and devils, there's zero chance you're liberating human spirits. The human spirit only gets liberated by the attacking of the devils and everyone. And if you just let go, it just flies out of you. Some of you are going to see those shadows just fly right out of you. Like, whoa, whoa, and it goes right through the wall. That thing was in me. Phantoms have been my rivals. I think I saw a phantom. Phantom of the opera. That's Joel's bar. We're going to do a phantom of the opera. We're going to have so much fun in the coming days. You know, I want to get my, my vocal ability of my angel imparted into my flesh. 
I want to start singing like Adele at Joel's bar. <laughs> yeah, Holy Ghost, man. Set fire to the rain. Oh, hallelujah. Man, that'd be fun. Glory. We're just the whole Joel's bar is just singing like opera the whole time in Latin but it's so annoying to be like oh man that was the best Joel's bar ever when they hit that high B sharp note the elements melted with fervent heat and the glass in my brain just shattered and set me free amen oh the joy and the comedy we got that until then amen at least we got angels of joy with us to help us along the way until we can sing like Adele. Take that, Kevin, at promise, and put it in your pipe and smoke on it. I don't want to sing like Adele. Well, you need to. That's what God likes to hear. God likes good singing. And if you sing like a dying crow, he still likes you because grace abounds. <laughs> Oftentimes, I mean, I've been around people that sounded so bad that it'd get me drunk because it's terrible. Like, people will be so distracted by the awful sounds coming out of these people, you know, and they'd, be, they'd lean over to me to explain to me because they're so ashamed of how bad it is and be like, they were in a car accident, brother. <laughs> hear your little gossip man that's anointed give that person a mic they should be on the stage right now and the annoying sound will drive the demons out of you respectability people they'll get the curse of respectability out of your ears it's gotta sound a certain way you know in the glory you know it's the sincerity of your spirit the natural realm is just clay. There's an excellence in the natural realm. You eventually want that, too. It's not just, like, freedom all the time, but you never have any excellence, because that doesn't advance the kingdom. That's just you tasting freedom. It's excellence, like Daniel, that took out Babylon. If Daniel didn't have excellence, all those kingdoms would have reigned over Israel, would have ended the bloodlines that the Messiah was going to come through. That's what was at stake when the prophets upheld the messianic bloodlines through Israel in the Old Testament. That's why Satan tried to destroy all those upright Jews and prophets and kings and priests in the Old Testament because the promise of Jesus would come through their loins. And it did. And they upheld the covenant and the promises in their generation we do the same thing in the new covenant with our spirit they did it with their flesh but the messiah has already been born of the flesh so there's no need to do that in the flesh anymore carnal flesh and blood religion is gone at calvary it's gone now it's all about Holy Ghost in your spirit, transfiguring your spirit into an angel-like son of God. Amen? To completely come out of the judgment of the flesh, which is total faith in the work of the cross. The blood of his cross 
gets you across yourself into God the Father. I am the sheep gate to the Father. Jesus Christ proclaimed to Israel, you can't go into the glory of the Garden of Eden except through crucifixion with Christ. Some of you know that's called ecstasy. Some of you think it's painful. Some of you think it's a burden of a demon on your head, but it's actually ecstasy when you learn how to drink. Drinking alone applies the cross to your soul. He took all the pain so you get all the gain. It's true. So what was Paul experiencing? I tell you what, Paul was getting perfected through what he suffered. Paul didn't understand or have a revelation. The first century apostles were the foundation stones of all future new covenant ministry. None of them brought the fullness. None of them. God's plan was that the third day of 3,000 years, a day is as a thousand years of apostolic building, which is manifesting the Father's glory through the human spirit, would come forth in the perfection and the fullness of the apostolic witness of the Apostle Jesus Christ. That's why it took 12 and not just one like John well, I just have the full witness of Jesus. We don't even really need these other 11. Because I'm the love apostle. Oh, hallelujah. Revelation, John says something completely otherwise. It's going to take a bunch of people, a whole clan, to represent the greatness, 24 elders, the greatness 70 elders, the Septuagint, the government, the Gideons, 300, 300 elders to represent the fullness of Jesus Christ's apostleship. What is coming forth now is the apostleship of Jesus. That's the only apostleship anyway. Until then, we've just been, you know, learning a little bit here and there, mostly thinking it's maybe me. What a blessing it is, God, for you to have me in your kingdom. What would you do without me as your representative? Look at how screwed up everyone is. Thank God I'm here to save the day. <laughs> Holy Ghost. Thank God that Jesus can get himself into any vessel. Despite outward conditions, don't matter about race or class or education, don't matter nothing except your faith in Christ in your own spirit. Because the outer man is perishing, the Bible says. Not in death, but in the yielding of its control to the spirit within by a people that believe and obey the kingdom. It's not that the outer man is dying. You're not getting cancer. You're not getting disease. Jesus defeated the whole curse at Calvary. Get the devil out of you. Just loose yourself from whatever spirit's lying to you and get your spirit built up on the word of God that defeated all demons on the cross already. Nothing can defeat you if you begin to believe the Bible. But if you don't believe the Bible, 
any dumb lie from a dumb demon can destroy you. And I've seen so many destroyed just because they don't know the word. On this solid rock I stand. What's the rock of ages? Bible tells you. The Logos written word. And if you don't have it in your spirit, you're on shifting sand. You gotta build on the word. The word of God is what saves you from everything in the world. You understand that? You're like, well, do I need to read my Bible? You need to believe your Bible. You need to believe the prophetic word. Amen? That is what saves you. The Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away. That's a good thing. That's the old curse of the fall coming out of your blood, coming out of your eyes, coming out of your brain, coming out of your bones, coming out of your heart. That is passing away. But what cannot be shaken, what remains forever, is the word that the Father has spoken. That word is what saves us when we get it in our spirit. You feel regenerated. That's the real energy. False energy is everything else. There's a trillion false energies out there. None of them are God. None of them. None of them are God in nature. None of them are God in space. None of them are God in stars or sands. God is only the Word. It's true. That's what the Bible says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Amen? Awfully silent in here. Wow. The Word is God. The Word is God. And the Holy Ghost will only breathe through the Word. That's what prophecy is. Prophecy is being alive because the Logos is believed in your spirit. Now all the junk that you have on top of your spirit, that ain't God's fault. That's your sin that you have not yet dealt with in your own heart. God can't just go in there with a magic eraser and just take it out if you're still just clinging to all this junk because of cowardliness of not dealing with your heart. That's why you don't have a breakthrough because you're not dealing with the sin in the heart and it's just kind of like, I want to feel the emotions and the stuff of my condition in my heart. I'm just stuck in the mud feeling the sins in my heart. You know what gets you unstuck? The Word. The Word just pries you out. You need to hear a powerful Word. You probably need to hear a Word that makes you uncomfortable, that shakes you out of whatever condition your soul's in. God's food, that hidden manna, it's not a pat on the animal's back. It's a word in the spirit, in the new creature. It don't even matter what's going on in your natural realm. It matters what's going on in the glory realm. That's the realm that transforms everything. Behold, I make all things new. I'm not gonna do band-aid false Christian ministry in the soul, in the flesh. In the bone and marrow, Jesus Christ says, it doesn't even profit you to get healed in that dimension. He said it. It only profits you to get healed in your spirit for your spirit to heal the whole soul and body afterwards. That's what Jesus said. Don't even matter you heal a person physically and there's still a total disaster. 
Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus is healing you in the eternal part of you in your spirit, even though most of you have barely realized your spirit part of you and are very soulish. There's no condemnation that it's true. You'll know the truth and it'll set you free. That the brain has yet to discover the place that eats the word and that's why reading the Bible is painful religious activity. Oh, do I have to? Instead of, oh my gosh, it's like going and getting super energized. Colossians says that he energizes us with superhuman energy and he mightily enkindles it inside our spirit. That's when you run on the word, which is the glory of the Father. Father says, I have glorified you. In the Bible, the Father says, I have glorified my son. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. What's that mean? The illumination of the word of God in your spirit. That's what Jesus was praying for. For the Father's glory to light up his words. Which is called prayer. When a prayer is answered, it means your words get lit on glory fire by God the Father who answers prayers. If the word doesn't get lit on fire with the glory, listen, the Father might want to help you and answer your prayers. And when you speak of things creating the atmosphere that you live in, change your words around your head. Father God's going to put fire on all those words. And if they burn, it's the word of God. It turns into gemstone atmospheres, glory atmospheres. But if it's just incinerated like hay and stubble and, and lint from the dryer from doing laundry, and it just goes puff like lint, it's because there's no word in you to sustain God's glory. You understand? You can only sustain the measure of glory of the amount of the word of God you have in your spirit. You can't live in the glory without the word. It's the keys of the kingdom. To try to go into the glory without the word of God is sorcery. That's what fallen angels do. That's what religious warlocks do. They try to go around the sheep gate like thieves and robbers. What's a thief and robber? Anyone that doesn't go through the written Logos Word of God with their spirit. If the soul tries to do it by any other means, Jesus said, you're stealing and robbing from God. So repentance means return to first love, which is love for the Word. Love for the Holy Ghost who teaches us His Word. I remember when I was getting really sanctified, there's about a 10 year period, where I would almost cringe when they'd say, word, word, word all the time. They're like, man, you know, we need spirit, spirit, spirit. We need wine, wine, wine. We need oil, oil, oil. You know, we need all of that loopy stuff without the anchor stuff. Because there's sin in the soul that doesn't want to be judged by the rock solidness of the word. That's why people love the spirituality, but then don't even read their Bible and there's no obedience to the word. They don't know the word. There's no word in their spirit. They're worried about all these fears of external things, just totally deceived and demon possessed. But they love the spiritual stuff. 
You know, I've been around prophets my whole Christian life. They call that flakes. A flake is someone who loves the spiritual stuff, but doesn't have the rock solidness of the word in the spirit. I tell you the truth, the fading glory happens to everyone who doesn't have the logos in great measure in their spirit. That's why we go church to church, conference to conference, even people Joel's bar to Joel's bar. Amen? Oh, is that, is that bad now? What's good is feeding your spirit. Amen? You need to feed your spirit. Is it bad to sit in a thousand Joel's bars and not turn into some kind of titan? I mean, there are people who walk with me five, ten years that still are kind to Jezebel. And I, it's utterly shocking to my renewed mind that people still are sympathetic to the arch nemesis of prophecy in Red Letter Ministries. And I'm not going to name names. It's just so absolutely insane that there would not yet be a level of maturity to even discern the arch nemesis of the spirit of Elijah. Kindness to Jezebel in RLM. That's when I know, man, you have never allowed the Logos to build up your spirit. Otherwise, you would hate wickedness. You have no hatred for Jezebel. That's why I know you're still a total spiritual flake. It's true. A flake and you're not loyal to the oil. And you need to repent. You need to get into a Holy Ghost hatred towards Satan and his angels. David Hogan said, you're only happy with the Holy Ghost to the measure you're angry at the devil. It's true. A real apostle. You need to understand that. If you are not angry and in hatred towards evil spirits, your spirituality is fake. It's fake. Ooh, is he talking about me? I'm talking about the whore of Babylon and the whole deceived soul realm of Christian believers that needs to die with Christ. To the part of you that can't be killed, your spirit, that most of us are so barely connected to that we take offense when the truth comes to set us free. Because it's true about us because we're soulish. You know what soulish means? Witchy. We're witchy. We're rebellious souls. You cannot be obedient in the soul realm. Only those led by the Spirit are the sons of God. What's still wrong with us and why so many who are trying to be in prophetic school of Elijah, trying to follow God and the glory and the river and the drinking, but still totally in worship of the fallen angels is what it is. It's absolute honor to the fallen angels of light that deceive. And it's everywhere, even amongst the elect that are just clueless that they're entertaining fallen angels unawares. We like to say we're entertaining angels of ours. It's true, you are. But you're also entertaining fallen angels and honoring fallen angels all the time in ignorance. That's what causes the perishing of the soul. When you grow in revelation, you grow in a hatred towards the opposite of that revelation. If you don't have a hatred to the, towards the demonic manifestations and they're named after their attributes, 
the false prophetic is the arch nemesis. And if there isn't a hatred towards that stuff, Jezebel's pride, these archangels of religion, these archangels of fallen angel charismatic religion, if there isn't a hatred towards the small demons under her wings that you're dealing with, you'll never mature in Joel's army. You are failing your tests if you are not growing in hatred towards demons and sin and attributes that they carry. They're highly emotional beings. Highly emotional. They want to intertwine their spirit inside souls for rest. And when you honor them in ignorance, you allow them to intertwine with the soul part of you in the invisible part of you. And you begin to take on their attributes. You begin to bear their image. And most Christians do this in total ignorance. And that's why there's still inaccuracies in our prophetics, even in the discipleship of the glory realm. So God the Father is bringing forth a high priesthood of Melchizedek in the perfect purity of his ephod's onyx stone, which is the total annihilation of the soul without the soulish mixture, which means without any sympathy for any fallen angel. You know what that means? You know what perfect priesthood is? You kill any animal, don't even bat an eye. Yeah. A mature priest will slaughter any forehead of any mark. And if it's Jesus Christ, it's more ecstasy. If Jesus Christ is actually written on your forehead, the high priesthood and his ministry of death, don't say life, of death. The ministry of death. And you can say, oh, what about Apostle Paul? Shut up, demon. The baptism of death Christ crucified has yet to be fully applied to the soul of American believers. They fight the cross. You don't need life in the soul. You need the death of Jesus in your soul. And then the life of God will rise in your spirit. The reason why you're still demon-possessed, tolerating demons, is because of a lack of death in your soul. Jesus Christ said, you will not find life until you lose it. Nobody will find the Zoe divine life, Jesus Christ said, unless they die to themselves. Pick up their cross and follow him, which is a crucified death, practicing death. We like to practice life because we're spiritual flakes. Flakes, that's what a flake is. Only focuses on patty cake fluff. You don't need more patty cake fluff. You will die in Babylon if you don't grow up. God is gonna grow up his kids to be mature ones. I mean, even David at 12 took out the arch nemesis of Israel, Goliath, with a rock from a river, which means just playing in the water, water part Christianity will get you annihilating devils and demons, and they'll react, they'll come with emotions. They might try to calm you down. They might try to get you to drop your stone. How dare you attack demons and everyone every day? You think you're better than us? No. God thinks he's better than us. God lives in me, and if I don't bring his word from his river, I go into captivity like you. That's why the righteous suffer violence and violently enforce it, it is written. What is the enforcement of violence, John the Baptist? 
The axe is already at the root of the tree. Cut it down, throw it in the fire. You brood of vipers, how will you escape going to hell? John the Baptist said. He was giving people death threats in the spirit of Elijah in the river. You understand that? You read the Bible, that's what it says. Well, when was the last time you had a preacher threaten everybody with death? Right. We need that in Jesus' name. That's what John the Baptist did. Jesus did the same thing. He says, you're the sons of death. Whoa. He says, you're the sons of snakes and the sons of death. Whitewashed tomb. A tomb is the realm of the dead. And the death was their father. But it was the angel of death and not the place where the angel of death was defeated. There's two deaths in the garden. There's death in sin, and there's the death to sin in the death of Jesus. You need to understand both clearly. Otherwise, religion, pride, and all kinds of dumb animal stuff in our souls, the dust of the earth, will kill you. And you will die. And it is life and death every day. So we honor the time practicing death of the cross in our souls. And that's why we're constantly intoxicated. That's why we're consistent. Because this life, this Zoe, this resurrection witness of Christ overcoming Satan is only constant through the cross applied to the soul in the one baptism of death. You know what the bride of Christ needs in America and everywhere else too? The baptism of death. This is why people get offended. This is why they run out. They only can walk with us a few months because death becomes their closest friend. That's what Psalm says. Death is my closest friend. Not the angel of death, the death of Jesus. The tomb, the sweet embalming spices of the cloth, of the angels. Amen? That's the glory realm. What is the answer to your inadequacy, to your self-consciousness, to your stubbornness, your pride, your poverty, your sickness, your disease, your lust? Death. Death is the answer for everything. Everything dies. Everything dies. The animals died in the Old Testament. How many of y'all know? Were the animals that die in the New Testament? Old Testament was easier. The Old Testament, physical animals, not me, called scapegoats. That's what the goat was called, a scapegoat. You didn't have to die in the Old Testament. You could kill animals, poor animals, but it was necessary for you to understand now in the New Testament, we are the animal. You're the animal. I'm the animal. And the animal can be saved and transformed into the glory and the image of the Father through the baptism of death. It's not hopeless. The hope of glory is in your spirit. But you'll never know it in a thousand years of apostolic preaching until you embrace the baptism of Jesus' death. That's what you need. One thing you lack, the baptism of Christ's death. When you receive it, your inadequacy is not in the equation anymore. Your soul is irrelevant. Your race is irrelevant. Your bank account is irrelevant. Your education, irrelevant. All becomes irrelevant when you die with Jesus. The only thing relevant tonight is the resurrection. I am here on account 
of the resurrection, Paul said, O King Agrippa, I have preached myself happy. Amen. He was preaching himself happy. He was up there declaring the eternal gospel to pagan demons, all kinds of lawyers of the Jewish race, all kinds of accusers, all kinds of Romans, and it was the gospel that superseded all their souls in flesh and lifted Paul's spirit to the place of being happy while he was yet in chains on his way to Rome. The gospel will get you overcoming anything. Nothing can hold you down. You can never have a frown if you are in the real gospel. If you're in some fake facade and you're not deep and you're just putting your toe in the gospel, I'm just kind of testing out the gospel. I go to church to see how much of the gospel I want to fit into my soul. It's about my life. And who are these people in the wide path of destruction? The ones who don't give their soul life to the death of Jesus. You understand that is the essence of fallen angel rebellion. And that's still everywhere. That that's blends in amongst disciples because the standard is so low that it's okay to have part of my soul in the world doing worldly things. Listen, God has things in the kingdom that would blow that out of your mind. Yeah. At my right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yeah. Do not settle for anything in the world. <laughs> Go through the baptism of death in everything and it gets glorified. There's mansions in heaven with your name on it. There's pleasures in heaven with your name on it. There's friends in heaven that it will befriend you in the glory and their avatar will appear on earth. Their temple, their outer man. But unless you're in the kingdom realm of the spirit through the death of Jesus, I am the sheep gate to the Father. Nobody comes into heaven. Nobody comes into the Garden of Eden. No one comes into the glory except through the cross. And when you cross over and go into this realm, they're all the treasures that you're looking for on the other side of the cross will be found. Do you know what deception is? Satisfying the soul in the earth realm. That's the essence of deception, is the outer senses looking for it in external things. Anything. It's all idolatry. It's all Satan. It's all hell. Don't even tell me it's from God unless it goes into the spirit and dies. It bears no fruit. Nothing you've got from God will bear God's fruit unless you kill it. Unless it dies. Unless you take it through the cross, lose control in the animal part of you, the flesh and blood part of you, and give it to your spirit. The pleasures at God's right hand are for your spirit. Because only your spirit can bear the image of God because God's a spirit. All the deception is the animal still trying to be spirit. You know what deception is? All the soul trying to be spirit. Soul will never be spirit. Soul can be burnt up by spirit. Soul can become clear and sanctified by spirit. That's what the circumcision of the heart is. Few find it because they don't want to give up all the Christianity they've added to their souls. Because, man, I got a huge investment on this sand castle building on shifting sand over here. 
you know, Heaven Waits the Bride, the first chapter, I love it. You got the whole false horror Babylon lying, deceiving, demon-possessed, fallen angels serving, false Christianity in the sand, building huge building systems everywhere. All of a sudden, the goat's head battering ram comes in, starts demol demolitioning this whole system that even Anna Roundtree, the great prophet, thought was the destruction of Christianity. Angels said, what are you sad about? That ain't Christianity. That's the devil's Christianity. You need to rejoice over her destruction. But you know if Anna Roundtree, you know, friend of Bob Jones for 25 years is deceived, thinking that Christianity is being destroyed by a goat's head in the sand. You're probably going to be deceived too. When the soul starts to get annihilated, he say, he's annihilating me. No, he's annihilating Satan. But your personality, your mind, will, and emotions are so intertwined by flesh and blood and DNA into the fallen angels, you can't tell the difference. You gotta go up like Isaac to the altar and just be willing to die because you are totally blind until the baptism of death. You cannot see. I counsel you to buy iSav so that you can see. What's the purchasing of the anointing of the iSav of the seer Jesus, Jesus Christ the seer prophet? It is the death to these eyes. These religious, critical, judgmental, deceived, fallen angel eyes. These reptile eyes have to be crucified in order for the eyes have of the anointing oil of the Lamb of God to see through our bodies. Your spirit will see, but your spirit will never see unless you crucify these eyes and all their stubborn religious pride. Satan is most accurately the uncrucified eye of man and woman. That's true. The eye of Horus. The symbol of the kingdom of hell is an eye. It's the eye of the unrenewed mind. The Bible says that's the throne of Satan that wars against the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 8. It is written until the cross is a stake like a wood stake through Count Dracula in your reptilian brains, you'll be deceived by what you see every day of your animal lives. And you need this. It's the truth. This is good preaching. This is what I need. This, this is the standard of the priesthood of Melchizedek, guys. Total annihilation of the carnal senses crucified with Christ. Why? For the spiritual senses. Your spirit's tough. Your spirit's invincible. Your spirit can handle it. All the fluff and pride and traditions and knowledge and garbage you filled your soul up in false horror Babylon sand Christianity. That's what we're at war against because we like you. If I did not attack that stuff in your souls, I would be a false preacher, a false teacher that allows sand and dust and dirt and religion to remain in the soul. And you just go about in religious deception your whole lives thinking I'm a disciple when you have Satan in you. Serving the beast with a mouth, mouth of blaspheme blasphemes. True, it's everywhere. You tolerate the persons of the wicked, Psalms 82. Therefore, the foundations of Christianity are out of course. 
if you begin to attack with the sword of the Spirit. Listen, Moses circumcised Israel as adults. He took a sharp blade and cut flesh out of adult men's hearts and penises, penises. representing you will have all the sin of Babylon, which is all previous systems of the devil. Babylon is all the kingdoms of the devil and the fallen race and bloodlines of every nation there's ever been. Babylon is the conglomeration of all the kingdoms of the fallen angels in this spiritual world system. Okay, so that is what the blade is cutting out of your whole heart, out of your whole mind, and your bones and marrow by the preaching of the gospel. That's what's coming out. Not once, not one time, constantly, until the fullness of the third heaven can flow from the inside out with clarity, looking at God through a pure, perfect heart. The Word of God makes your heart perfect. You know, that's why it's such a sword. Because it's so imperfect. Pride is the reaction to the imperfections of the human heart. Religion is saying that your heart is okay, that your heart is good. That's everywhere. They coddle the curse of the fall. They actually put a blankie around the curse of the fall. It's okay, were you hurt by that ministry? Did that ministry hurt the curse of the fall in your heart? Did that ministry attack your demons in your heart? Did that ministry go after your corrupted animal DNA? That's the first time you ever encountered agape love. And of course, their hurt demonic feelings of the animal in its deception rejects the sword in its attempts to cut the curse of the fall out of our souls. You know, God loves you so much that he doesn't keep you the way you are. Don't sit there and say, this is how God made me. No, that's how your mom and dad made you. How deceived can you get and still breathe? God didn't make that pile of manure. God created them light beings in the Garden of Eden. You, your, your dad's own will, having sex with your mom, created that. That's not God. To call the flesh God is blasphemy. God recreated your spirit that bears its image. You have a new father in heaven in your spirit, and you're only bearing his image if you're getting your spirit fathered. Carnal Christianity is the whore of Babylon. It's the Laodicean curse. Lukewarmness is mixing carnality with divinity. And it's everywhere. And if you attack the carnality, the mixture, that my body is also divine, my soul is like, no, you're a blasphemer. You're a devil worshiping blasphemer. Your body is not divine. Nothing that perishes is divine, the Bible says. Last time I checked, every single human body is buried in a graveyard. You're going to call the graveyard God? It's blasphemy. Your flesh is not God. Your soul is not God. 
God is a spirit given by grace and faith in God's word to the spirit only. And through constant practice of righteousness, which is spirituality in the spirit, the soul shares in grace. And the mind shares in grace. And the body shares in grace. And this body gets so thankful that it gets intoxicated when it begins truly understanding salvation. When it understands that this whole thing is what has destroyed the world. Amen? That there's grace flowing like a river out of my spirit, and then the heart gets thankful. When you're grateful and thankful and humble, you can't react negatively because you know what the heart and the brain and the bones deserve accurately from revelation. So you're just thankful and happy all the time because you have a revelation of grace in your spirit. God didn't have to share it with the flesh. He did because He created the Spirit to overflow through the flesh. And if you obey Him, you will see glory overflow through the most undeserving part of you. But don't let it puff you up in pride, because then the waters diminish. You say, oh man, well I deserve it now, I've been fasting. I've been fasting. I've been going to Joel's bar every other day for two years. I've sacrificed everything to move to Minneapolis. Of course the glory's flowing through my body. <laughs> I've been persecuted with Red Letter Ministries. I'm 18 years old. My parents threw me out. I was living in a tent. Of course I'm in the drunken glory. I've suffered for God. If I even throw my body into the fire to be burned, but have not love, I am nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, which means your sacrifice ain't nothing. Nobody can boast in sacrifice. That's deception. You boast in grace. That grace has abounded in your spirit. So now that I have a clue, I can actually honor God what he's done for me. That's how you become a cheerful giver of your life to God, of your brain to God, of your wallet to God. And then it gets easier and easier because you have revelations of God's grace saving every part of you. And the Spirit becomes the Son. Amen? Angel-like children of the resurrection. That's what the Bible says, Luke chapter 20. The Spirit bears the full image. The temple still be down here like a good slave. I don't mind having a servant body. As long as this body serves my angel and my angel serves the Word of God, it's perfect. We're in divine order. We're practicing righteousness. We're growing and learning of righteousness of how to use a servant body for the angel of the Lord. I am whom I serve. Amen. Your body is a wonderful servant to your spirit when you get a lot of revelation put in your spirit. When the word of God and the logos and the anchor to the brain in your spirit. You can begin to understand God's creation in Genesis was perfect. God never screwed up. He never made one mistake. He's never done anything wrong. We've confused everything by putting our brains in the dirt. 
by putting our brains in the fallen angel, by putting our brains in the serpent crawling on its belly. So we're down there with our brains in the belly of the snake. God's going to lift up our brains and put it in the living water and bring mental clarity like a river. There shall be mental clarity flowing through us like a river of glory. I'm going to pour forth through you, you, like a river of glory. And your brain will magnify the glory of God in your spirit. And as it comes through, you watch. Third person. This thing can look at your spirit doing the works. For the workers at the end of the age are the spirits out of the flesh doing the works. Where's your body? Well, you just move it around. You increase the quality around your body because your spirit is serving the great king. God will take care of your body. Oftentimes when we have no faith, it's all about provisions for the body. Well, how about you serve Jesus in your spirit and you open up the storehouses of the heavens for your souls and bodies. Stop seeking that which perishes and seek which that which is eternal, Jesus commanded. Which means build up your spirit, learn how the strength of your spirit works, and then God adds unto the external part of you. But if you're backwards, you're still serving the curse of the fall. God can't even work with you because you're serving the devil. You have to serve the Lord. We must serve the Holy Ghost. We must serve the Holy Ghost. Not partially, fully, and make progress in it every day. Disciple and stay in a disciple. Not everybody stayed a disciple. There were people that rejected becoming disciples even though they were once disciples in the Bible. Not everyone that was a disciple of Jesus Christ stayed a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not everyone that was a disciple of the Apostle Paul stayed a disciple of the apostolic ministry of Paul. Many went back into the world and rejected discipleship. This is too hard. Who can do this? Well, anyone that has any revelation can get their brain out of the world in the temporal realm. You gotta get your mind in eternity. The renewed mind sees everything from the perspective of eternity. So temporal things, which is sin, is not appealing to your mind anymore. Because it's a waste of life. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. It's a waste. It's all waste. The Gehenna garbage dump of the Christians are those who still live in time. In the temporal things that perish with use. Get your brain into eternity. And some of those temporal things get added unto you into eternity. He's only wanting to give you the best quality of life. We're the only ones cutting ourselves off from the Zoe life. Because we don't trust God. Because I've seen so many demonstrations of failure where God didn't come through. It took my own effort to go down and do this for myself. Because God never showed up. You know, God shows up. He's already showed up. He's already in your spirit. You're just totally bewitched. You're just totally rebellious. You know, it's going to take prayer. The bewitchment is going to come out with prayer and fasting. And prayer means speaking the word of God over your life until you actually believe it. When you believe it, you'll see the glory. Which means you'll see prayer answered. Only believe and you'll see prayer answered. It is written. But if you don't believe the word, you just sit under someone else who believes the word. You'll see it in their life, but never in your own. And at that point, they betrayed him. 
because they think it's going to take the sweat of my brow and my right hand, which is Jezebel, to get all this stuff working for me. It works for you because you have some kind of special gift. No. No, I don't. I have Jesus. He's the only gift. Don't sit there and call out special. Jesus is special. And you have the same Jesus as the prophets and he will work in you if you believe the same way the prophets do the only issue is you don't have faith you don't believe and trust the word in your spirit because that part of you is in darkness because you practice externalism your faith is in the natural realm you need to grow up in your faith in the glory realm and there's grace to grow up in Christ. Growing up in Christ is not dealing with just infants. Oh, you need to be nice to infants. No, they're infants because they're full of Satan. Okay, You're not nice to Satan and infants in Christ. Paul says you're drinking cups of demons. Paul's never nice to demons once in any of his epistles. He was severe with his Corinthian infants in Christ in the Bible. He was he was strict. He was serious. He was coming. He was coming with threats. He was threatening them in the Bible that I might come to you as a disciplinarian. He is threatening them in the Bible. You need to get real, man. You need to get real. Paul is serious with dealing with Satan that's keeping the spiritual growth of your eternal man stunted by soulishness. The severity is to destroy the spiritual stunting that's done by the soul over the spirit. This is where the sword of the Lord goes. This is where the baptism of death is applied in the heart. Without the baptism of death in the heart, you'll never see the Lord. You'll never walk in the glory. You'll never have your prayers answered consistently. Maybe once in a while because God's good, but you're not walking right with God. He just likes you and his nature is to bless people that are even bad people and disobedient people. He causes his reign to fall in just and unjust. The unjust have never obeyed them once in his life, but it pleasures God just to bless them anyhow. Because that's who he is. Doesn't mean they've ever done anything right. They don't believe a single true thing in their whole deceived soul, but God just pours blessings on them anyway. Because that he enjoys doing that because it's his nature. If you want to get consistent, be a true disciple of the kingdom, you have to embrace death in the soul. This is not just a seasonal message. It is the gospel. It is the eternal gospel. Preaching the death of Jesus is a huge part of the eternal gospel. In fact, it can't even become eternal in you without the realization and the encounter and experience of true death in the soul. Because then you have no more fear of death. That's how you overcome the angel of death. You ain't gonna overcome Satan and his angels at all until you get the baptism of death. That's what you need to be praying for. That's the prayer God's gonna answer. I pray for every believer in the world to receive the baptism of death. That's what we need. Philippians 3, just so you know I'm not crazy. It's biblical, man. Oh, we're right there. Praise God. I'd read the whole thing to you, but ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. We got a lot of fun stuff to do with Jesus after this. We're just getting your spirit energized with the truth so you can have fun with Jesus with us. 
That's why we preach the gospel, so you could have fun. So that your fun would be complete and your fun overflowing. The reason why we have a severity is to get all that stuff that spoils the fun, the tears from the eye. To annihilate your connection to the fallen angels, your naturality, your DNA, your cellular existence needs a baptism of death, so your spiritual existence dwells in the glory realm and is shared with the soul. And the mind begins to have fun all the time. The renewed mind is one who enjoys spiritual dominance. Domination. The dominion of God, it is written. Yours is the dominion. A carnal mind woo, hates glory dominion. These people are rebellious doers of their own thing everywhere. You can't, you could tell them straight from God's throne the truth and they'll go do the exact opposite. You see it every day. They pretend like they're around and in RLM. They're not RLM. RLM are only obedient ones that do the Father's will with their whole soul. These are flakes that are still wondering if the river is going to work out for their soul life interest. Don't be confused. Every ministry is full of goats in the whole world. It's true. Every church is full of goats. There's sheep in there too. But the wheat and the tares grow up together. And the soul chooses if it's a tear or a goat by not embracing the baptism of death. That's the only thing different between a goat and a sheep. A sheep is in the good pasture land because it's crucified with Christ. I don't need to know. I just need the cross. The Holy Ghost applying his word to me. I'll do anything for you. You know, that's normal. That's not radical. It's normal, basic, that you love Jesus more than you love yourself. That's a normal response to a basic saved person. But it's rare. It's actually rare that somebody likes Jesus more than they like themselves. Which means you can't follow Jesus unless you like him more than you. The reason why you're always making mistakes because you like yourself more than you like God. I don't. I like God more than I like me. That's how you're consistently following him. I remember what I used to be like when I lived for my soul and myself. It was terrible. It was actually total hell on earth. Darkness. I couldn't even see in color anymore. It was so bad. So now I like him more than I like me because I know what me is. Me, apart from liking him, is total darkness. Total hell. There's no deception there. It's Jesus or death and destruction of the soul. And that's so clear before my eyes that there's no confusion about it. So it's easy for me to like Jesus more than myself. It's easy. But if you're deceived and you're tempted by the devil into the attributes that you think are from God, like the older prodigal son, you still like yourself and your selfish version of Christianity more than the person of Jesus, and that's why your life sucks. That's what it is. Self-like, or we call it self-love, it's not love at all, it's just Jezebel. It's the horror of Babylon, it's the soul worship, it's true, pure idolatry. Pure idolatry. Idolatry in its purest form is liking self more than Jesus. And we're all guilty of it. Just some are more delivered than others, and that's you're going to make progress in that department over the next 10 years. That's what you're going to be chipping away at. Liking him more than you like you. 
And it's not about self-hatred and all this dumb confusion of the demons that don't understand anything. It's about loving Jesus and his love pouring through the soul like Mary of Bethany. You know, she took all her house's wealth. The equivalency today is like $110,000 with Joe Biden's inflation. And just smashed this expensive perfume and poured her whole self-like on Jesus. You know what that means? She liked Jesus more than herself. That is the standard of a basic Christian. That ain't a radical, oh, a, a holy of holies people. No, that's the standard of basic salvation. That you like him more than you like you. Wow. The truth is, yeah. For the rest, my brethren, delight yourselves in the Lord. Continue to rejoice that you are in him continue to rejoice that you like him and he likes you so his glory flows through you you know the glory is the evidence that you're practicing love and that you like him and then there is a love your neighbor as yourself which is the overflow of loving god first first love What's the problem with one of the seven churches? Revelation 2 and 3? They didn't like Jesus more than they liked themselves. When all the charismatic fluff and gifts and prophecy and interpretation and words of knowledge and, and tongues came on them, they liked their spiritual lives more than Jesus. It's in the Bible. That's the plague in the charismatic church that we like our spiritual self more than we like Jesus. You have forgotten your first love, repent and return to your first love. And then he'll glorify all that stuff and he'll be a million times brighter anyway. Rejoice that you are in him. To keep writing to you over and over of the same things is not irksome to me. I enjoy it. I'm having fun beating up the devil tonight. You know, beating up the old goat. I like killing goats. That's the priest's job. People have a hard time with the priest. So the whole, only job of the priest, if you read the Bible, is killing animals. And the Bible says the animal's written on the forehead and the hand. So to get through the forehead, has to go through your hearing. Make sure you're around priests killing the animals in your forehead. Otherwise, you're not hearing the gospel. And don't confuse it with religion either. Because religion come around with some hard preaching and be like, man, beat yourself up religion. The difference is the impartation of the glory. Major difference. Living in the clouds. Living in the joy, the fruitfulness, the drunkenness, the drunken glory. That there's wine, that you're transported. When you're slaughtered of soul, slaughtered of beast and mind and hand, there's the instant transportation into the house of wine. So there has to be a discerning. Because the soul and the sons of Satan in the soul realm counterfeit everything the sons of God are doing. They always have. And that's why infants in Christ still follow demons. Because they can't tell the difference. You know the difference by the wine. The wine is the excessive fruit of divine love that intoxicates through revelations of divine love. The soul's drunk. Every single day since 2008, I've gotten drunk in the spirit. I get so high and drunk every day, and that's how the only way I do ministry. I can't stand a ministry that doesn't intoxicate, inebriate, build up, and get you high, because there's zero anointing. 
The anointing always gets the soul crucified and buzzed up. Buzzed up. Good one. Oh, I got a buzz. Keep going. Keep going until you're numb all over. Keep going until you're embalmed. It's like Holy Ghost embalming fluid today in the preaching of the death of Jesus. Amen. Glory. Nice to meet you. I have recently been embalmed in Christ. It's the balm. The glory embalming. Is that formaldehyde? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, I drink formaldehyde of Jesus' death for breakfast every morning. Amen. Oh. Glory. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's not irksome. Look out for those dogs. How dare you? The audacity of the Apostle Paul. Now he's calling grown educated men dogs. Remember in Hebrew that was the highest cuss word, the highest swear word in Aramaic in Hebrew was calling people animals. So I mean in English, you know, that's like NC-17 stuff I can't even get into tonight, but you can get the tape on YouTube. Look out for those dogs. Beep, 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 beep. Judaizers, legalists. Look out for those mischief makers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. In other words, look out for externalists. Look out for anyone God outside minded. It's exactly what it says. For we Christians are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit. In your belly. In spirit. And by the spirit of God and exult and glory and pride ourselves in Jesus Christ and put no confidence or dependence on what we are in the flesh on outward anything privileges physical advantages or external appearances we don't put any confidence in anything outward philippians 3 3 it is written that's how you get rid of all demonic influence in your life no more babylon only zion and zion is in you according to your faith. Zion is the kingdom of heaven inside you, rising as your faith grows. Though for myself I have at least grounds to rely on the flesh. If any other man considers that he has or seems to have reason to rely on the flesh and his physical and outward advantages, I have more. Circumcised when I was eight days old of the race of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, and a son of Hebrews. As to the observance of the law, I was of the party of the Pharisees. 
As to my zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. And by the law, standard of righteousness, supposed justice, uprightness, and right standing with God, I was proven to be blameless, and no fault was found with me. But whatever former things I had that might have been gains to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything. Let's just say everything. As loss. Wow. Makes it pretty simple, doesn't it? Compared to the possession. Possession. Uh-huh. Glory. The possession. Compared to the possession. Amen. Of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly for his sake I have lost everything and he's not saying throw me a pity party he's saying I don't serve demons anymore I have become a basic Christian Paul is saying I become basic truth anyhow I've lost everything oh welcome to normal anointianity Paul amen I have lost everything. Good. You lost all sins. And that's what he says. For his sake, I've lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, garbage, refuse, dregs. Hell, sin. He considered everything to be rubbish, garbage, dregs, refuse, in order that I may win and gain Christ the United One. How do we win and gain? The Bible says, in order to win and gain Christ's possession, you have to lose everything. Basic Christianity. Amen? Amen. Yeah, truth in here. It's like somebody died in here tonight. And that I may actually be found and known as in him. The music will help you die. <laughs> Not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own. Soul righteousness. What an abomination. Based on my obedience to the laws, demands, ritualistic uprightness, supposed right standing with God thus acquired, but possessing that genuine righteousness which comes through faith. Faith in Christ, the anointed one, the truly right standing with God. Spirit uprightness. Possession. Possession of Him versus everything. Amen. It comes from God by faith. For my determined purpose is that I may know Him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly, that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing 
from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Philippians 3.11, Amplified Classic. Notice there's no resurrection without the death. His death, his likeness, in his death, that I may attain his resurrection in his life. That's the everything for the possession. What comes upon the everything is his death. And when the death comes upon your everything, you get the resurrection, which is living in the glory. That's how you live in the glory. Not that I have attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of, grasp, and make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured or made it my own yet. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. So let those of us who are spiritually mature and full grown have this in mind and hold these convictions. And if any of you have a different attitude in mind, God will make that clear to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have already attained and walk and order our lives by that. Be faithful in the measure you have right now and you get more. Glory to glory. Faithful in the little, faithful in more. Faithful in the little, faithful in more. Glory to glory, growing in glory responsibility in your spirit until you have the same stature and responsibility as Jesus Christ. That's how it works. They are doomed and their fate is eternal misery, perdition. Their God is their stomach, their appetites, their sensuality, and they glory in their shame, siding with earthly things and being of their party. But we are citizens of the state and commonwealth, homeland, which is in heaven. In heaven. And from it also, we earnestly and patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Messiah as our Savior, who will transform and fashion anew the body of our humiliation. Notice the progression in chapter 3 of Philippians. Baptism of death, the resurrection, and the fashioning anew of our bodies. This is how it works. He is laying out for you the grid work for your transfiguration. Transfigure and fashion anew the body of our humiliation to conform to and be like the body 
of his glory and majesty by exerting that power which enables him even to subject everything to himself. This happens with subjecting the external principalities to himself formed in you. This is the promise of the resurrection. As your spirit grows, as everything is counted refuse and devoured by the baptism of death, the inward flow of the resurrection glory of Jesus will make all things subject to him and will transfigure your bodies. That is how this world is taken apostolically and it's the prophetic blueprint for your faith to clearly understand where your spiritual progress is going in the future. It's going from glory to glory. I'm gonna grow in the death of my worldly things. Amen? I'm with you on that. And I'm gonna grow in the resurrection of heavenly things. Amen? We'll do it together. And we will make all things subject to Him. Therefore, He will change our bodies as all things of the world are made subject to Him, fully formed in us as the conquering, overcoming bride of Christ in this apostolic generation in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Bless you guys. I love you. If you want to give an offering, click the links in the description and we'll see you tomorrow. Amen.
see is ahead of you, all you see is ahead of you.